Welcome back to the Key in the Lake podcast, the premier whiskey podcast now with the mention of whiskey in its title. Hey, it's Jake coming live from Chicago on a nice, dark, gloomy fall afternoon here in Chicago, Illinois in October of 2020. And the reason why I bring up the weather on this is because we're here to talk about summer whiskeys. What a wonderful day to do it. And with me today is Chris Plantner, the urban bourbonist. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, Chris uh, put out an awesome list of summer whiskeys this summer, um, and then to into the, the various stretches of summer as well. That was entering into fall. Ended with a whiskey from, uh, get out of the way right now, Pinhook, uh, <laughs> uh, that we thought was also a great fall whiskey. We've been talking about recording, uh, kind of summing up those whiskeys, and then entering, transitioning into fall and some fall whiskeys, and it just so happened that another... Uh, Pinhook label um, was launched this week, and that was a barrel pick that Chris and I picked over at Wolf Point Distilling. Yeah, strange. We picked a barrel of one distillery at another distillery. We were just borrowing their space as we tasted through some whiskey and uh, decided to choose a, a single barrel based on the three samples that we have. Not the first time I've actually done that, to pick a different barrel of a company at a different distillery um that wasn't that one so um chris and i picked their seven-year-old vertical uh, single barrel series um from there for leo's liquor and it just launched this week so here we are to taste that as well so we're gonna have some summer whiskeys we're gonna have some pinhook obviously and then we'll taste <laughs> the single barrel that we also picked back like i think on episode 186 yeah was that right, right. All, yep. right all right all right um posted that yesterday so or two days ago so it's still fresh in the memory but uh yeah chris what did we uh, what did you bring today so I brought, um, and again, thanks for having me back. Yeah. Um, so the article was 13 whiskeys for the 13 weeks of summer. So I brought four of the whiskeys from, from that article, from that series. And I think that the ones that I brought today are, they're the ones that are sort of towards the back end of the summer. Mm. So they can you know, transition into the fall as well. And of course, I mean, whiskey is whatever you want to make of it. You right. can you can pull whatever you want out of tasting notes or whatever it might be and apply it to this season if you want. So, you know, um, what I did in the summer is I kind of, I, I tried to take some of those notes that were lighter and that remind you of summer mm. for these whiskeys or a t- maybe a time during the summer that these would work well. Um, so I brought four. I brought uh, a Westward Cask Strength Single Malt, nice. which, by the way, this is probably a top three whiskey that I've had this year. Really? Personally, I, lo- I oh. absolutely love this whiskey. Um, I also brought the Laws um, Henry Road Straight Malt Whiskey. It's a uh, bottled in bond. Nice. I've been singing the praises of this. People that follow my page on Instagram. Are probably like, when is he going to stop talking <laughs> about this whiskey? But it's yeah. really, really great. And there's some awesome flavors in there that are really transitional into fall, which we can talk about. Mm. I also brought uh, Woody Creek Distillers. They're 100% rye whiskey. Nice. Um, they're out of Colorado, so is Laws. And of course, uh, <laughs> by obligation, just kidding, uh, the Pinhook uh, Bourbon Dinny which is their 2022 orange wax um, bourbon release. Um, that was the last whiskey of the summer that I thought was a nice transitional mm-hmm. whiskey as well. So these will be fun to to taste through and kind of talk a little bit about. Yeah, definitely. Um, and just to 
tease the listeners out there, we'll be talking about Pinhook a lot more um, in the next coming year. Unfortunately or fortunately, it depends if you're a fan based on some things that are happening. I think Sean might have alluded to it on the last podcast he was on. He definitely mentioned it to about 35 people at a liquor store uh, here in Illinois. Um, nothing's, you know, not all the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted just yet, but we'll let you know what I'm alluding to mm. here in the next uh, coming weeks, um, maybe a month or so when it's all, all finalized. But uh, Pinhook's not going anywhere at a conversation from this from this podcast i can't wait for that yeah uh, the yeah. actual news to come out yeah it should be fun um it's not like uh just in case anybody kind of thinks it because people ask me if i work for work for pinhook i'm not going to work for pinhook <laughs> <laughs> just a just a fan of their whiskey and uh fortunately enough become we've become buds with uh their uh master blender and founder too so um both chris and i have so uh yeah um, it's really great to try these whiskeys because i have a relationship with three of the four brands um woody creek i actually didn't have until i want to say last time first time i had it was last summer when i was in uh not aspen but one of those towns up there yeah um near woody creek I can't snow mess. Uh, I was doing an event up there and had that for the first time. Just you know, it's readily available in Illinois, I think. Uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah it's just been here for a, uh, like a good amount of time, I think. I would say so. Yeah, yeah, just you know, one of those distilleries never pulled the trigger on in purchasing and never stood out on the shelf buying it. But I was really impressed with what I tried. Laws when we'll. <laughs> My dog's also here, so um, she'll be creating some noise if you can hear things in the background. She's pulling things out of our shelving units. But uh, Laws, when Wilson and I first launched the podcast, we actually talked a lot about them. We were fans of them when we were working at Koval. We ended up meeting the owners a couple times. This through some tastings and events here in Chicago, and we're really singing their praises. Uh, gosh, now it's been probably four, five or six years since they first launched in Illinois um, about everything they're doing. And then Westward, we've drank... I don't think we've actually ever had anybody on from Westward, surprisingly enough. We were trying to multiple times. Some friends with the head distiller, um, their former kind of head of marketing as well, who now I think works at uh, Uncle Nearest. Um, but they were on the same sales team as Starward when we first launched in the U.S. So we had an Australian single malt and American single malt on there with only about uh, four different letters only for people to confuse our names even more. <laughs> so you're the Westward guy. No, Star Ward uh, and Mr. Black. Nope, not the Mr. Black guy. Same country, but it was a little bit of confusion there. Um, absolutely adore their whiskey. I think their new bottling shape and their new labeling is some of the best in the oh, entire whiskey world. It's incredible. Yeah, so I'm glad we're doing the cast strength. I haven't had that in a while. Um, since Probably since it first released. I think Benny's was like the first retailer I saw it at. Yep. Um, shocking. <laughs> yeah, not <laughs> but, surprising. But uh, some other wine finishes are absolutely amazing. Their uh, stout cask finish is one of my favorite American yes. whiskeys um, out there. So I'm glad that you are absolutely loving them too. And then obviously Pinhook, uh, we talk about <laughs> and drink. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm excited to try the seven-year um, single barrel because I, I was looking back at my notes. I'm like, oh, yeah, we picked the one that was the most... I want to say outrageous, but stood out as not a typical pinhook flavor profile. Totally. And yeah, that will be fun to pop. Actually, should we pop that and put it in the glass and yeah, let it rest? Let's do that. Because yeah. sometimes these um, single barrels from pinhook can be a bit spicy out of the yeah. out of the bottle. So maybe letting it putting it in a glass and running it letting it rest and coming back to it would be good i like the idea so I, of course i wax what off. month did we pick that was that june 
It was May. May 26th. Okay, I'll go back in my, my diary, if you will, to find that. Good thing I date everything in here. Where's your glass? Um, this one. There's Glenn Karen. Uh, we might you might hear a Scottish person kind of interrupt this conversation midway through. He's a little late. Our co-host, Mr. Callum J. O'Donnell, but he said he'll be on his way eventually, and maybe not. We'll see. Maybe we won't see him until next Tuesday when we do our uh, 200th podcast because we are recording episode 199 yes, right now. I meant to say I'm uh, <laughs> excited to be 199, and uh, congratulations on 200 coming Thanks. up because. I really do understand all of the uh, hard work uh, that and dedication that goes into doing a podcast and you know really staying committed to to doing it on a regular basis. So mm-hmm. cheers to you for for doing that. It was mostly all Calum and Wilson doing the work. So <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to guffaw so much. Uh, so you know. Awesome on that. Oh, I found the pin right. hook. There we go. I found the pin, the pin hook, hook is in the glass. We'll come back yeah. to that seven-year um, single barrel. Let that rest a little. Uh, where do you want to start on Let's the other ones? We got two single malts, a 100% rye, and then pin hooks flagship. Let's go with the Woody Creeks right in the middle of what we're looking at. Also, just want to kind of get revisited, um, reacquainted with it as well um, from this point of view of the whiskeys we're going to be trying. I'm really right. excited about that. So the Woody Creek, this is 100% um colorado straight 100 percent rye whiskey crafted in copper stills using using locally grown rye and carefully aged in new american oak this is all coming from the front label um 90 proof mm. i um this is 100 percent elbon rye yes elbon rye so I put this in the back end of the summer, let's see, week, actually week 12 of the summer. And my description of this, it's, it's an easy drinker. It has tons and tons of flavor though at the, at the 90 proof. You get some herbalness out of this, fennel, citrus, um, and some earthiness out of this fresh cut grass. Mm. Um, it's great over a cube of ice like it really opens up the whiskey even at 90 proof and then it's really good with some ginger beer too oh um so this is a really delicious whiskey i really enjoy yeah this one so this was week 12 of the summer and uh of course you can like i said apply a lot of these a lot of these flavors to both summer and fall i you know the citrus kind of coming in now in, yeah. in the fall is really nice um, but it has like a grassiness and an earthiness to it that that can work in both seasons mm-hmm. so you did 13 whiskeys right 13 whiskeys how did where did you start how what was the number when you're kind of thinking in your head what was the number i was thinking well i guess the maybe not number but how many whiskeys did you think oh these could be a summer whiskey a part of the 13 um oh man i probably you mm. know when i was like okay there's 13 weeks in the summer i probably had maybe 20 whiskeys in mind okay. that that I was thinking about initially and then again like kind of just thinking about time during the summer like what would what would go w- good at like midsummer what mm-hmm. would go good you know towards the end of summer what what's what's something that is more spring like um i think at the beginning of the summer i had um like chattanooga whiskeys mm-hmm. uh spring bottled and bond which is I mean, it's perfect for like right at the beginning of this of the summertime. 
Um, so yeah, probably around 20 whiskeys and then just kind of okay. thinking about the, the summer narrowed it down to the, to the ones that ended up in the, uh, in the article. Hmm. Where was, was this one you kind of had right away in mind? Um, definitely wanted to include this one because, um, like, I don't know, something about this just said to me, like, I, I think I even called it like a lawnmower whiskey because it's just like this. Yeah. It's really easy to drink. Obviously, you know, don't operate heavy machinery when you've been drinking whiskey. It's probably not a good idea, but yeah. Um, it's like one of those ones that like on a hot, even on like a warm late summer day, it's just, I don't know. There's something about it. There's this really almost refreshing aspect to it. Yeah. There's almost reminds me of drinking a really nice iced tea. Yes. Like when you said, as soon as you said lawnmower, I'm like, oh, that's the note I was kind of thinking of. There's something very like, not tropical about it, but just uh, fruity, refreshing, um, kind of has like a little bit of like a, a lemon seed feel to it. Um, so yeah, I always yeah. think about, my parents used to always make iced tea on the porch in the summertime and put lemons in there and then inevitably there'd be a seed at the bottom of there and kind of like, yeah, you know, crunch into it if it got into your glass with some ice. It's nice. It's got definitely has the like that citrus yeah kind of bite to it on not like a sugar back taste. your palate. No, not sugary. Um, but I like it. It's it's got like a grassiness to mm-hmm. it too. That reminded me of like fresh cut grass. Like you cut the grass. Yeah. You smell all that you know fresh cut grass laying there. Um, do you have the bourbon steward uh, sensory kit? I do. It, yeah. It really remind. I had I had seen them. I don't know if I actually ever used one before i think someone brought one to our podcast maybe back in the day when we were recording at beguile i feel like there was one there at one point um but uh i was doing a class at maze and mash and garrett their gm had brought that and i was just kind of messing around smelling through things as we did some quiet time afterward and it really smells like the example of rye mm. that they had inside the kit like it's yeah. really standing out to me that not, not so much the f- nose of what you get on this whiskey, but the tasting reminds me of uh, smelling that little vial of rye. Yeah, this has like lots of the, I mean, it's 100% rye, so it's certainly, I feel like you know this is a rye whiskey when you're drinking it. Yep. Um, but and they yeah. still themselves, right? They do. Okay. Yeah. Because it has like a little bit of that MGP dill citrusy, sure. but it, it's something different though. It's a little more creamy maybe in a way yeah i can see that and you know i don't know the exact qualities of elbon rye which yeah. is this, this is 100 percent elbon rye but whatever it is it's it's really delicious and i, I love seeing distilleries to you know go go all in on the 100 percent rye it's, yeah it's pretty cool yeah absolutely no it's <laughs> kind of what I loved when I was working at Koval was that we had those 100% grain expressions um, versus doing... We did a lot of blending of grains too, obviously, but uh, at the same time, the whole thing was about making taking unique grains and making 100% mash bills out of those grains to, to make the whiskey, which which the rye was one thing that attracted me to them right away. Uh, and overall, when it came to craft whiskey, Journeyman Rye was one of the very first craft whiskeys I had. Um, the Ravenswood Rye. And I was like, wow, like, this, like small distilleries can do this. Yeah. It's really, really awesome to see. So I was just having a conversation with the buyer over at Gene and Giorgetti's the other day. Oh. He's like, oh, you struck at Koval. I'm like, I did, I did. And he's like, did you know Bill? I'm like, Bill. I'm like, I've worked there for almost four years. I don't remember a Bill. He's like, yeah, it was a small guy. I think he was a distiller. Talked about like making rye. I'm like, oh, you mean Bill Welter? 
Oh, the guy from Jer- Journeyman? Journeyman? Yeah. yeah. And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. He's like, whatever happened? Like, I'm like, oh, he started Journeyman. Yeah. <laughs> and then Journeyman in the back bar. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, he actually distilled his Ravenswood rye on Koval's machines um, before Koval actually ever did anything. They kind of figured out through his his journey of making the rye, how to actually use the stills yeah. properly. And and now he has a partnership with Sazerac and Park Street and distribution across the country and expanding all over Indiana for his distillery. Like, no kidding. Yep. <laughs> like, yep, that little guy, as he called him. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, Journeyman, awesome. Uh, but yeah, Woody Creek, this is really tasty too. Really enjoy it. Uh, just a really easy drinking rye. For all of these whiskeys, or for all the 13 that you did for this list, where did you suggest uh, cocktails for them? I did not do uh, cocktails for all of them. This one I just mentioned, yeah, uh, ginger beer because I've had it with like a little splash of ginger beer, and it that. just worked really, really well with this whiskey. Yeah, um, like those that herbalness and then the spice of like the of the ginger beer is just it's really, really nice together. Uh, not that ninety proof is a high proof. It, I'm surprised it's even that high. It's just so easy it's drinking. It's so easy to drink. Oh. So easy to drink. Yeah, but it still has like. Yeah. ton of flavor you know at at the 90 proof i actually have a cask strength mm. uh rye from them that's a store pick from colorado a friend of mine picked up for me and he was out there it's outstanding as well um but really i mean at 90 proof it's this is a great this is a great whiskey yeah really enjoying it well where should we go uh um, where should we go next let's go to laws i let's think go to laws yeah mm. i think that's a good place to travel over to um same same states same state um laws whiskey house this is the henry henry road straight malt whiskey i don't know why they don't call it an american single malt is it all malted barley it's 100 percent malted barley and the malt the malted barley they use in this is a is a strain that was basically saved it was an heirloom variety mm. that was saved by the farmer the farmer that they get the grain from which is really close to them correct yeah i, I think it's right. a little bit south of yeah. laws is in denver the farm is a little bit south of of denver it's on henry road which is why they call it the henry road straight malt whiskey um but it is, I can't wait for you to taste this. This is... Yeah, I haven't had this one. They have a lot of expressions out. If you aren't familiar with Laws, they do a lot of different, in the sense of what I just, was just saying about Koval, they try a lot of different expressions with grains, blending together a lot of different grains to create unique mash bills. But their whole their whole thing about the uh, distillery is keeping it, um, keeping it very localized where they get the grains. They really want to represent the sense of place when they're making their whiskey. Their four grain uh, mash bills was what really attracted to me back in the day. When I first tried, um, I can't remember which, which one it was. I think they're four grain bourbon. They had mm-hmm. like four, they had three or four different versions of it too, though. Yeah. Uh, I think it was the straight bourbon. Was I was I had probably been selling working in the craft industry for four years at that point, and I was like, this one stands out a lot. It was yeah. kind of in the same way you mentioned Henry uh, with the J Henry when I, when I tried their bourbon in person for the first time with Joe and his dad. I was blown away about how this could be a a five-year-old whiskey from a craft distillery back Mm -hmm. in 2016 or whatever it was um and then the precision and care wanted to to make that whiskey from their family farm getting it into a glass you know between 93 95 uh, proof and really enjoying it i think it stood up too with a lot of the big guys and what they were doing yeah um so laws this is actually age stated it's it's bottled and bond it's age stated at five years but they're also putting out 
there's a six year of this same mm. Henry Road straight malt coming out this year. Um, but they're they're putting out like an eight year age stated bourbon. Like yeah. they have stuff that is like significant age on it, which yep. is you know kind of surprising from a you know a craft distillery putting out eight-year age-stated whiskey and like pushing up those age statements it's really it's really cool to see yeah um I need to get them on next time i'm in denver for work yeah i've been going out there a lot lately there's been so many great distilleries out in colorado oh man yeah lots of great the first two we've had here today are from colorado yeah this um of course bonded that's 100 proof I put this in the calendar for the summer in week 11, so it was right as we switched over from August to September. Mm. Of course, inevitably, when the <laughs> calendar switches, everyone wants to this, declare summer's over. Summer's you know, over. It's bourbon here. It's August months. 31st to September 1st, it's like all of a sudden summer's over. Everyone's, yep. ah, summer's, no. The entire September is still summer, basically. It's like how we do our 12 days of barrel picks. We do it for the Christmas season, which starts on Christmas and then goes for 12 days. Absolutely. So this one, I kind of put in there as like a jab at that, like everyone declaring summer is over at the beginning of September. And also because this does have some really fall-like qualities to it. So, you know, I said, you know, if you, if you, want to get a little bit of taste of of the fall while it's you know still here the last few weeks of summer this is the whiskey for it you know this reminds me of apple picking yeah going into an apple orchard and like a green apple orchard yep this is just like it reminds me of like straight up green apples yeah green apples and caramel yes like all of the nose in this one so i mean green apples and caramel it's like a taffy apple right 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 um so this is just I, I when i first had this i was completely blown away by that green apple aroma it's it transfers to uh the palate it's almost like drinking a boozy apple juice mm, mm. it's it's really delicious was this a whiskey you'd had prior to making the list or was it a whiskey you had while you're making the list and like oh we gotta put this one on here i had it prior but just prior to um doing the list and as soon as i tasted it i was like man i gotta this needs to be on the list and towards the back you know towards that back end of the list because i think they actually do release it in the fall Mm. i i think the six year is coming out right now so i think they do consider it more of a, a fall whiskey just based on you know the flavor profile of this um but yeah, it is, it's straight up caramel apples, uh, green apple. And, um, yeah, this is, this is one of those whiskeys that's easily transitioned from summer into fall. Yeah. The spice on the palate really is nice. It's, it coats your mouth really well, but it's not overwhelming or heavy. Yeah. Not at the same time, but it prickles its whole way through the drink, especially kind of in that, uh, transition from the beginning to the middle of the palate and then working its way in the back end. Really like this one. I've never had it, so I'm really enjoying it. It reminds me. It actually reminds me a lot of the, of the, what happens with our whiskey when we blend malt and wheat together. It yeah. really softens it out, but it's still very present. That spiciness to it. Um, not gonna. I wouldn't say this would not be a gateway into Scotch at all. No. Um, I would say it actually has on the nose a little bit of a rye aroma to it, but more of a mouthfeel of a bourbon mm-hmm. um, with like a, a light spice ride kind of comparing it in that world which 
you know, we it's there's no definition, no standing definition right now of American single malts. Um, we just had a little bit of that conversation on our previous episode uh, with uh, Murphy Quint over at Cedar Ridge Distillery where they're making single malts, and he learned how to make that over at Stranahan's, which is kind of like the OG when it comes mm-hmm. to making American single malts. Um, I think it's going to be a tough, obviously, you know, I think, I think we bring up in every podcast we do together about American single malts yeah. and the lack of definition being very ambivalent. It's good and bad for distilleries. Let's them play around with a lot of different things, but it's also not being able for these distillers to put something on their label that is defined and really shows what American single malt, how it differentiates from the rest of the world, creating single malt whiskey. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I've, I've said this a lot and I talk about it a lot on my Instagram page, but it is American single malt. I'm just so fascinated by it and I'm so excited for everything that's out there now and what's, what's going to be coming out. So I'm, I'm going to be a huge cheerleader for, for that category. Once it is defined, Mm -hmm. I do have some issues with a little bit of how they're, how they're trying to define it, but you know what? I, I think it's better to have, you know, a definition for it than not. I think so. Yeah. I've kind of, I've kind of come around to that point of view versus being totally against defining it at first. He's like, well, play around with it. Do what you want to do. Yeah. But then you start to think about, well, there's a reason why we, def- even though there's not necessarily um, written down definitions of how we divide Scotland up into its categories of yeah. scotch. It does let you know what you're going to be drinking or how you're going to be enjoying that glass of whiskey before you even put your nose to the glass. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that that would be really great for the American standard of, hey, like we have these all these different regions, and it could become regionality too. Which let's define it first by American single malt, mm-hmm. and then let's you know d- divide it up by the Northwest, by Texas, by the East Coast, by the Northeast Coast, and we can do that. And we can put some pretty names to it too. We can call it Speyside, you right. know, exactly, <laughs> or exactly. something unfamiliar to that, something parallel to that with Scotland. But I think the definition will only further the enhancement of what's happening in America across the distilling board, and not just focusing on bourbon and rye. Absolutely, I'm I'm excited for it. I hope that it I hope that it takes off. I know a lot of people kind of say, well, if it hasn't take, taken off yet, is it ever really going to take off? But it really isn't having <laughs> isn't had a chance to It's really less take than 3 decades yet. old. <laughs> yeah, and and there's there's no definition of it. So yeah. how can it really take off without you know some boundaries to to the category? And you know, we're you're seeing I think Jack Daniels is coming out with a single they malt. Are. Yep. I think Jim Beam's coming out with a single malt. And in fact, I just posted today about the uh, the new little book, mm. which is a blend of five different uh whiskeys, four of which are single malts that Jim Beam has been laying down and different they're finished with different staves and different barrels. So Jim Beam has American single malt that's at least four years old because that's what's in the little book blend. Who knows what else they have in those (laughs) rickhouses? You know, they might have some crazy Mm -hmm. aged stuff that we don't even know about. So I think people need to give it a chance when it does come out, especially, you know, American whiskey drinkers that don't drink scotch automatically, I think, are going to, you know, be hesitant to drink American single malt yep. because of associating it with scotch, yep. which it's going to be completely different. 
And if you taste like the next one, let's let's taste this westward. Yeah. This whiskey is it blew my mind mm-hmm. when I when I first poured this whiskey. Um I put this actually so this is the westward uh American single malt. It's cask strength, it's 125 proof. Um I put this in the middle of the summer because hmm. I feel like this whiskey is great for like a summer night around a campfire. Oh yeah. Which obviously applies to the fall as right, well. Right. Um so this this could be easily considered a, a fall whiskey, but I put this right in the dead center of of the summer. I said this is made for drinking by a campfire. Flavors of honey graham crackers, chocolate, mm-hmm. and a really spicy lingering finish. Mm-hmm. Serve it alongside some campfire s'mores. Ooh. Hey, and speaking my language now. In fact, this whiskey is like, it's almost like drinking some campfire s'mores. So let's pour this, and I can't wait to hear what you think about it. Although, yeah. don't let my... Uh, <laughs> I've had it, so my it's love. been a bit, yeah. Um, I love the brand, too. And a couple of things that you're commenting on with American Single Malt, to get back to that, especially with Little Book. Uh, privileged enough to have, well, it's not mine, it's my wife's, a sample bottle from, I think it's chapter one or two, which is actually malted whiskey. I'm not allowed to open the bottle, (laughs) but it is an exploratory bottle um, that's just in some weird styled shaped bottle I've never seen any beam product in with a label on it saying, just defining what it was and what chapter it was. Um, So yeah, it's definitely been going on a little bit when it comes to them making American single malts, making a single malt over there at Beam for at least six years, seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, well, more than that, because Little Book came out, this is chapter five now? Uh, chapter six. Okay, so yeah, and they were basically, well, I mean, it depends what he was blending together in that first chapter or what they were exploring around with, but you can say probably within the last decade or so, they've been making uh, single malt at whiskey, which is obviously uh, interesting take or interesting uh trend that could be starting with these big distilleries yeah and with you were saying the hesitancy of american whiskey drinkers getting into single malts in general because they always relate that scott related to scotch that's like my job every day to try to like yeah. tell them no like you're drinking a single malt whiskey but it's from australia but it's not scotch like yeah. is it honored in the style of distilling scotch and using that same mash bill 100 percent. um but it's also taking the lessons of ireland the lessons of japan over the last century and making something unique into that spirit from based on where it's at and people are like oh it's like a scotchy drink um you're like oh, i guess yeah you can say that but they're like it's peaty I'm like well, there's no peat in it but like yeah, yeah but it tastes peat I'm like you don't taste you don't, peat there's no peat yeah it's like well that's what i'm trying to tell it's like and that's what I would say to anybody who's out there going to a tasting, especially a tasting you're paying money to, like don't be the educator, be the listener. And I love that. I, I do that all the time. Like tell me, tell me what I can learn about these people. Like put that ego aside and open up your ears and listen. Like when someone like me who's been selling an Australian single malt for three and a half, four years, I'm telling you there's no peat in it because I know how we make our whiskey. Like yeah. don't tell me that I'm wrong. Like listen to what I'm saying and say like there's no peat and actually there's only like one sp- part in Scotland you can even have bogs that create peat yeah and what you're tasting is spice like barley is spice 
barley, when it's um, malted, it creates a spicy level to it, and that's what you're tasting. So don't conflate that with with peat because you gave someone gave you a, a you know Isla Scotch that's 10, 12 years too like old, and it's way too early in your whiskey journey to be drinking yep. that, or you weren't prepared for what you were going to taste. When you're tasting peat, yes, think of Lochavulin, think of Talisker, think of Oban, and think of all those distilleries that use peat in their whiskey and understand what peat is when it comes to the actually making it. So when people are teaching you about it and you paid money for it, and I'm trying to entertain you, maybe you even got like you know like your wife to come out with you who doesn't yeah. drink whiskey or your husband to come out with you who doesn't drink whiskey because that definitely happens too like you know get your money worth yeah absolutely listen and 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 learn mm. and take it all in i love what you said though about malted barley bringing it can bring this spice profile yeah. to the whiskey that i think that american whiskey drinkers don't actually realize that malted barley <laughs> produces I like this yeah. produces this spice profile that is really really delicious and adds a lot of complexity to the whiskey and, and it's in a hear, lot of bourbons <laughs> and it's in a lot of bourbons obviously and some have like a significant amount of malted barley in it pinhook for example uses a lot of malted barley in their castle and key uh distillate but you know i'll i'll definitely hear like especially people who really like rye mm, and they're mm-hmm. like well 100 percent malted barley there's no rye or there's no spice like no like i would challenge anyone to drink this westward and uh, an american whiskey drinker that drinks bourbon or drinks rye and tell me that this is mm-hmm. not a good whiskey mm-hmm. this is outstanding it's 100 percent malted barley yep and it's delicious it has spice it has tons of complexity Mm -hmm. and it's one grain yeah Yeah. it's not three grains it's one grain and this whiskey has a ton going on so let's let's drink this absolutely no and into that as well it's like when i when i first started launching the brand we i'd tell ask people when i was at a binny's doing a tasting or something along those lines like what do you like to drink they're like i'm more of a rye drinker i'm like all right try our single malt more of a bourbon drinker all right, try our, our blend of wheat and malted barley. Yeah. Like, but that doesn't mean you're going to find the exact same profiles. But why I would do that is because there's spice to rye, there's spice to malted barley. There's more of a tameness and spice and bourbon, more of a creaminess to it. It's like, well, that's what you can get from this whiskey. Mm-hmm. So I think for people, just about uh, for us to keep educating and hopefully people will, uh, will listen. Absolutely. <laughs> so this one, like, I smell it. I smell graham crackers, mm. like, right off the bat on this. It's chocolatey on the nose, too. Oh, yeah. Chocolatey on the profile, too. Mm. Such a great whiskey. Oh, there's a little bit of smoke in the back end I forgot about. Yeah. And I think the two times I've had this before was we're both in restaurants after dinner, um, which really elevated like the, the flavors that are still left on your palate. From, yeah. I know one time I had some duck at Etta, mm. and then we had this afterwards. Oh, this a port- be- oh yeah. After like a fatty mm-hmm. meal, yep. This like the alcohol content, it kind of like scrapes your your tongue. Great, yeah. But the chocolate, and then I would again drink this whiskey and tell me that the finish on this is not lingering mm-hmm. and spicy and full of just so much going on. I mm. like I said, I love this whiskey. This is one of the best things I've. I've had this year. Yeah, I can see why. This is absolutely a contender for my whiskey of the year in 2022. It's nice. that, it is that good. Any other ones stand out this year? Um, 
I always like the uh, the Chattanooga bottled in bonds. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are always those are always up there. Um, there's a few other ones that that are in contention for I think that that top spot this year. But honestly, I'm not sure anything can beat this. Mm-hmm. I I really this is probably the top whiskey I've had okay. in 2022. Wow. Wow. Like I said, High it's praise. top three, but it's probably one of the number one whiskeys I've had this year. Yeah, and I think it goes back to a conversation you and I have and the guests on the show too much, so, so much too, about whiskey representing place. Mm. And this is one of those distilleries that truly does that. They're out of the Portland, Oregon area, and they get all their grains pretty local to them. They're using these cast finishes about local breweries, local vineyards up in that great area of the country where we have a plethora of breweries and vineyards. So what I love about Westward is they've always kind of stuck to their guns about what they're going to do. Um, and I think it's really epitomized in this bottle shape. If you never looked up, I'll post a bo- picture of it. But if, you never, if you're listening right now and never seen Westward bottles, go take a glance at it. They reshaped their bottle kind of from, it was a, a standard bourbon bottle, I would say, mm-hmm. a standard whiskey bottle, American whiskey bottle. Um, but then they upgraded it about a little over two years ago, I want to say, to this heavier, dense, etched out custom bottle that looks like uh, mountains. Mm-hmm. And it represents that place for where they are. Westward is their approach um, about always pushing and innovating further and traveling across the world, traveling, you know, within their own area of the world too, to further their whiskey and make better whiskey each and every day. But uh, the color palettes they've chose for their labels too, to represent each distinct uh, skew has been amazing. This one's kind of like a purplish, like a, I like to call it um, similar to my high school color of uh, back in the old, good old Johnston, Iowa days, where it's like a royal purple to it. Yep, it um, is. But beautiful, yeah. It's one of the most stunning packages that's on on the shelf. Like they've got some raised lettering uh below the the top label that says True Northwest on it and uh mm. it's really it's a beautiful beautiful bottle. I mean and mm. you know Westward is you know it's it's on the pricier side of Yeah, I was going to say you're going to pay for whiskeys. it. Yeah. Um especially for American smaller distillery. I hate using the word I want to get word of craft. I, just, I know uh, it's it's tough to I know. It's tough to not say right. say that but um Beautiful package, but the whiskey inside definitely backs up um, the price. It's of course it's very difficult to separate price yep. from from the whiskey when when you talk about whiskey. You know, I try to do that these days. I just try to say, is it good? Does it taste good? Mm. And then you kind of have to leave it up to each individual. Is it you know, $90 for this or whatever. I think it's around 90 bucks. Yeah. Is that worth it? For me? Yes. Mm. This whiskey is worth, uh, the $90. Um, but it also just tastes good. It's a really, really good whiskey. I agree. Um, yeah, it's distillery that's been really pushing its way across the country in sales. Major markets are going to find it. I'm not sure how many states they're actually in. Um, they're pretty readily available, but like Texas, uh, Florida, New York, Illinois, California, the whole Northwest, obviously you can find it pretty easily. And I think they're probably, I think you can buy direct from that they or do. they're yep. hooked up with, yeah. with somebody that can pretty much distribute to most places yeah, they're, uh, on, online. They do have that as well. Um, very true. Good point out there. But yeah, some of their single barrels too are just outstanding. <laughs> There's a, an eccentric buyer at a LA whiskey bar who was telling me one time, he 
might do this all the time when he buys a barrel. But he bought a, I think he bought the first Westward single barrel. In the oh, year. really? Yeah, I think so. And so the owner of Westward, uh, Christian, and then my my founder of Star Wars, Dave, they're good friends and we've hung out a lot and had some wild times across the country <laughs> drinking in various places. But he was telling me how this buyer came in and wanted to uh, sleep with his barrel. And I'm like, what do you mean sleep with the barrel? <laughs> He's like, well, we went into the rickhouse that day and we tasted a lot of different things. He chose the barrel he wanted and then put the barrel on the floor and he posted up in a sleeping bag next to it for the entire night. <laughs> I love that. To bring in the uh, the whole romanticism of drinking whiskey <laughs> totally encapsulated by, uh, by spooning the barrel of your choice. I love that. Yeah, so that was available over at uh, Seven Grand in LA, one of the best whiskey bars in the country. That's awesome. Yeah. Love that. Um, yeah, but this is a fabulous, I, I get like a, a smoked Rolo at the end of oh, it. Just I like, like it's been sitting in my palate. I'm like, what is that candy flavor yeah. to it? But it has, it holds that smokiness to it. Like we've, now we've had three whiskeys, first calories of the day. Awesome. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it's just, it's standing out so much to it. Yeah. What are the price points on laws in Woody Creek? Woody Creek is like, I want to say 40 ish. I want to say the 40, 45 right range. There. Yeah, yeah. 40, yeah. 45. Um, the laws I think is, I think similar, maybe 50 to 60. Oh, is that? Okay. okay. Um, there's the, one store I buy laws at and I pay way too much for it, but it's a friend. I'm not going to say the store right yeah. now because I don't want to, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he listens to this. It might um, be more. I can't, yeah. I don't, I don't exactly remember what the, uh, the laws goes for, but I thought it was in, in that range. Great. Um, we talked about Westward. It's it's definitely up there. It's around I think ninety dollars mm-hmm. for for their uh, most of their whiskeys. Um, but you mean honestly in in today's uh, whiskey world, these are all you know I think in line with with where they kind of should be. Yeah, you're also gonna you're not gonna kill this bottle of Westward fast. No, like you're gonna savor that two ounce pour you have of yeah. it in a night. Absolutely, really sit with you for all that. Think of it in the sense of like. Investing in a single barrel of a, of a brand you really like, um, it's going to have a, a lot. Obviously, it's 125 proof. 125, which, yeah. Honestly, we always say this. It doesn't drink that way. But, I mean, we both love Booker's. Booker's drinks at 125, 126. Oh, yeah. this, this doesn't. This so. does not. Um, it does not drink 125. But I will say, like, the last sip I had of this was, like, four minutes ago. And the, the finish just... <laughs> And I had a sip of water in between, yep. and the finish on this just lingers and mm-hmm. goes on forever. That to me is like such a sign of a really, deli- really great whiskey. Is yep. like that long finish is is wonderful. I mean, I can't say enough good things about about that bottle. Yes, yeah. it's really great. Somebody from Story City, Iowa, is calling me. Oh, oh I'm sure it's really important. <laughs> Shall season. we? Do you want to do the bourbon dinny, or do you want to do the just move on to the seven years? I think we go to the seven year. I yeah. mean, bourbon dinny. I would say a lot of our listeners have probably had it, or yeah. they're very familiar with what's happening at Pinhook when they release this yearly annual or annual release of their bourbon in their rye. This is the orange wax. How they choose a different horse each year, and then they choose the uh, is the flag the right word? What's the what's it called? 
Oh, you the like design of yeah. the yeah. Uh, I don't know what they call that actually. Sean Cullen. But uh, let me just read. Yeah, please to the yeah. to the listeners what what I wrote about this. Uh, it we sucks. won't taste it, but I'll <laughs> I'll read what I wrote. So this was the thirteenth week and final week of summer. It's the Bourbon Denny, twenty twenty two flagship bourbon from Pinhook. As summer drifts away. We wanted a bourbon to transition us from one season to the next, and we love the Pinhook flagship bourbon to get us there. It reminds us of summer with peach and wildflower honey aromas emanating from the glass, and then the flavors of toasted nuts, light baking spices, and citrus lead us toward the crisp days of fall that lie ahead. Have a pour and reflect back on your journey of the last 12 weeks, and then look fondly at what lies ahead in the next season. I love that. And... We were talking probably a month ago, well, whenever it was when you released this one about how this was your transitional whiskey yep. to fall, and it's great. And I was just looking over our notes for the barrel pick that we have sitting in front of us as well. And one of the reasons why we chose that barrel pick is because that barrel is because it was uniqueness to it of yep. a pinhook. I'm looking back at the one of the one of the samples we tried that wasn't chosen, and that's basically matching. A lot of the notes you were saying in the in this annual release yep. of Pinhook, and what we we're like, okay, this is great, this is Pinhook, but let's try something different, and that led us to what we chose on that day back in May. Yeah. So the seven-year true single barrel in the vertical series. So this is the third barrel that uh, I've been a part of at Leo's Liquors, and. Uh, Five years I picked on my own. Mm-hmm. Six years was with a group. Uh, was it a whiskey group that I was with in? Oh, that. And group. then so now seven years, Jake I, and I picked. I this thought you one. meant the other, uh, the Hunters of Chicago, whatever they call. Oh themselves. no, no, different group. Yeah. But um, cause some cause some trouble and controversy on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we're now at this is year four of the single barrel vertical series. So. Uh, we did not do a four-year four at Leo's. We got in on it on... Uh, four was the first year. Four was the first year. We got in barrels. it on the five-year, and this will, of course, go to 12 years. So there's eight, nine, 10, 11, and 12 to come in this. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the true single barrel. It is known as Bourbon War. This one came in, and I wrote down when we picked this that we... Pegged the proof at 115. Okay. It was bottled at 115.6. God, we're good. Just so we like we the nailed mic. we nailed the proof on this when we were um, selecting it. Of course, it might have changed from the time that we <laughs> no. selected it, but I mean, honestly, um, what three months? It was bottled after yeah, we tasted it. Yeah, so it might a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it probably didn't change much. Maybe a, a fraction of of a point but because um, they go down then typically they typically go down like eight it, to ten percent then so you they enter at 125 is that right i thought that they did they entered at 120 but it might be 125 okay it might be 125 somebody not, go back and listen I'm to that positive that on two and a half hour adventure that, with sean yeah <laughs> but we uh when we tasted this they didn't provide the proof the no. the proof uh on the samples we just had the mash bill and um, yep it was about six years, nine months, the time we tried it. Exactly. So this, they bottled this like just over God. seven years old. Love that nose. So here's what I wrote down 
um, for the nose on mm. this. I wrote down Band-Aid, medicinal, mm-hmm. simple syrup, uh, fresh rain, which I think you like really uh, dialed in on like a fresh rain note on this. Because you had rose petal. Rose petal, nutty, and like a sweet smoke um, on this. And now this has been in the glass. I don't know how long have we been here now. This has been in the glass now for what, 45 minutes, an hour? Or 48 so? minutes. 48 minutes. So yeah. resting for that amount of time. Yeah, I think uh, the only note I had different was, I, mean, I might have been writing half of your notes and half of my notes. I didn't disclose which one was yours, which one was mine. But I said opening up, opening up to be musty and pungent bourbon for quality to it. And that was probably after the second time we revisited it, I would guess, just based on the, the fourth line of notes that it's on for the nose. So now smelling this, I definitely still like your fresh rain note. Yeah. I get that. Because it's raining outside. It, it is raining outside <laughs> well, no, today, no, too. The sun's coming out. Oh, it is, actually. Um, no, this was reminding me. I don't think I disclosed it on the podcast, and I guess I'll come clean now. Um, <laughs> it was reminding me of, the, of my favorite qualities of our single barrels at Star Wars. Mm. That these French oak barrels we have yeah. that are aged a little bit longer, some of them are recharred. It gets this leathery, pungent note to it, that rainy dew mist um, quality that I super, super love about um, our single barrels. And I was like, well, this is this is where I'm heading to right yeah. now. This is drawing me in. I think that is still present. Yeah, on the nose on this, and then it's like almost like a sugary candy kind of like. You know what I mean? Yeah, that goes to like the simple syrup that we were kind of yeah. talking about. Like if like you would smell like funnel cakes or cotton candy in the air at a carnival. Totally. Or Oktoberfests. Totally get that. <laughs> Lakeview Oktoberfest last weekend. And then there is like a sweet smokiness sort of mm-hmm. to this as well on, on the nose. I, I mean, this is maybe it's just reading my notes. It's kind of like. I didn't read suggesting it. this. No, but... I was I was just noticing it before I went back and revisited the <clears throat> the notes on it, and definitely finding that all those qualities to it. I'm finding that this matches pretty pretty well with what we wrote down. Not getting like the mm-hmm. the rose petal kind of aspect that that we yeah. got on the sample, but man, I... this this smells good, and it actually is quite different than what you do get from a typical pin hook yeah it's kind of reminded me a little bit of um and now i'm conf- conflating which uh uh um what are they called the small 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 batches or the small uh, the true, true small batch? yeah true small batch uh from which we, ch- we tried um one from a kentucky retailer and one from malloy's out here in illinois yeah. i think it was the malloy's one it's something similar to it uh, when it comes to those like sugary qualities, but I'll tell you Mustiness. that fresh rain is like dead on. Yeah, on this on the nose, like, God, it's like some, so something is really sharp in there too. It's just like, it's like a, not in a, in a good way that ethanol is hitting your nose. Yeah, it's good. Let's taste this. Yeah, cheers, cheers. Oh wow, mm. I. I haven't read my palate notes yet um, from that ba- day back in May, but the palate is really matching the nose. Totally. 
I don't know if we went there and we thought the same thing. But so go ahead. I wrote down. So we said on the nose, a little bit medicinal, the simple syrup, uh, the fresh rain, sweet smoke, nutty. And then the palate. And you you just said like this sharp note on the nose. Uh-huh. And I'm getting like this like sharp. I don't know what the, the flavor is associated mm. with that, but I'm getting like the sharpness on the palate. It's almost like along the lines of like a, like a cardamom type type note mm-hmm. which i think i actually I, wrote that down on on uh my tasting notes cardamom uh-huh i feel like that's totally coming through um some leathery kind of qualities leathery, to sure. this as well like fresh tanned leather like if you got like a brand new yeah wallet and yeah. you like bit the wallet which we not, all do yeah which we all you know tend to do when we get a new wallet yeah but, like it it reminds me of like that aroma transferred to taste. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's uh, a note I talk about quite a bit that I'm about to describe, but I'm going to go a little more in detail and have more nuance to it, where I used to smoke club cigarettes back in college when I was really cool. Um, <laughs> still cool. But uh, when you open a box of club cigarettes, you it's very present in that room or wherever you are. But what... What I'm feeling from this one is when you take a drag of it and that smoke is starting to go through the, your lungs and the back palate, you get this tomo- tobacco rounded out with clove. So it's like a little bit of like a, it almost gets like a refreshing menthol quality to it, like that feel. And that's what I'm getting from this. The, that, but that leather, that leather note, I'm talking about how you're biting yeah. into like a leather belt, a leather wallet, whatever it may be, super present too. Yeah. Especially, I totally get that on the finish. Um, that tobacco, definitely clove quality to it, cardamom, and then like a dark chocolate like comes in on mm. on the finish on yeah. this too. Um, but the mint too, like yeah, there's a yeah. I didn't write down mint at all when we were tasting this, but do you think I that rose petal like note a, has changed to it? Like that's maybe, gone. Could be. Yeah, I definitely get like a minty, like a mint chocolate. On the oh yeah, I can see this. that. Yeah, definitely. I like that a lot. Nuttiness, Man, the nuttiness is, is still there too. Yes, people are gonna. I'm telling you, people are gonna like this pick um, if they buy it. Um, really, unlike a lot of things that you've had from from Pinhook, I I feel yeah, like this I'm, is certainly a unique barrel. We obviously drink a lot of Pinhook. Um, responsible and ovulated obligated through uh contractual agreements to say their name every time on this podcast so um but yeah this one really stands out as something unique and it's so easy drinking too for one like, really for 115 is. proof i mean all these whiskeys have been very easy drinking we've tried here to, this morning this afternoon but it's oh man just like i want to keep going back to it it is it does have even like on the finish a slightly and what i like this in a whiskey like a slight dryness on the finish that like makes you want to come back and, and take another sip. Like mm-hmm. it just gives you like this, it leaves you wanting to go right back in. And, uh, it, this has that quality to it. Um, I don't want to pat our, ourselves on the back, <laughs> but I'm going to pat ourselves on the back. Is we, there... we picked a 
a fun barrel here. I'm just glad it's kind of maintained its course in the barrel since we tried it. Um, and the notes are even more delicious than I remember trying it that day. Really, really good. Because I would think, so this was the second one. We had three t- samples, and this was the second one we tried. Yep. I think number one was our second favorite. Is that right? Yes. And then the third one we said was the most pin hooky tasting whiskey in the th- of the three. Yep. Um, but remember, we both were like number one, but the uniqueness of two stood out the entire time while we were trying this for the over over the hour. And like we said, if you want to go back and listen to that podcast where we chose this, and um, do you want to ignore us uh, drinking whiskey and <laughs> chewing whiskey in the microphones? <laughs> Not that heavily. Yeah. Go back and uh, hear that. It was about an hour conversation we had over over that one. But um, I, I keep looking at the notes of the other two we didn't choose, and they're just like a lot of standard bourbon notes to it. Yep. And with this one, we were like, oh, it kind of has... Remember we said on the podcast at one point, it had a single malt quality to it. Yeah. Not like the maltiness you get from a single no. malt, but is there something about like the leatheriness to it, the, the nuttiness to it that was different than, we, than you would say like from like a beam nuttiness. For sure. And by the way, the finish on this is again like one of those finishes yeah. that just I haven't had a sip for a couple of minutes now, and it's just like lingering on the back of the palate. And uh as you breathe back out over it, so many different things are happening. But I think like that that chocolatey kind of mm-hmm. chocolate mint continues yeah. to just like bloom on the back of your tongue. Uh, with this whiskey, which is super cool. No, I agree 100% with that one. Uh, that mint just kind of keeps refreshing the palate. It reminds me, and I say this a lot, is uh, McKenna 10, how it has that, that minty quality yeah. to it and it refreshes you out. Well, there's not, it's not a heavy mouthfeel on this whiskey at all. Nope. It palates the, the mouth really well, but it's something like with the, with the Westward, that spiciness kept bouncing off your entire palate from the roof of your mouth to your tongue to the side of your cheeks. This one just kind of this layers it like almost like in a wet kind of way, yeah. um, like a slick way yeah. uh, for that. And like, I think you said uh, scrape the tongue with, with, mm-hmm. the, with the laws. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really do that. It just kind of like moves through. It's almost like you're sliding down uh, a slide with this whiskey. This is really good. I really like that that minty quality kind of came came out on this that's not something that i yeah that i wrote down so i'm wondering no. if like that rose kind of floral quality turned into mint over these last few months as it was in the barrel because this is this is really nice and mm-hmm. um i like that it's it's held up a lot of the the aromas and flavors that that we initially picked up on um but it's it's actually I like it even more. It might be this. So there's one note that I'm not picking up a lot on, but I said um, through the middle of a sip of the sip with a cinnamon Ooh. cardamom burst that goes to the back of the palate. The cardamom's there. The cinnamon yeah. I don't hold on to that much, but it could be that where that mint trans uh, transformed into more yeah. of a cinnamon quality. With I it. definitely wrote down cardamom, and um, it's a light cardamom. Yeah, like I said, it's different than just like putting your nose into a cardamom spice or like having a clove cigarette that's like just pre- very present in the air. It's about this very quick swiftness of uh, pulling a drag of it and kind of going through the back of your throat as a experienced clove, clove smoker, I would know. Me and Barack. <laughs> well, I think we did, we did a good job on that one. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, uh, Sean, congr- um, 
you, we'll take our money at any time. Um, paychecks will probably be in the mail, I assume, for all of that. And overexposure, just tasting a lot. There's a lot of hard, dedicated work to it. I actually think I went to um, Sepia after yeah. that, that, after tasting that night. So I had an amazing dinner along with nice. having a nice day of barrel picking from that. So it's really tough work I have, you know, <laughs> picking barrels for one distillery and then going to a Michelin uh, restaurant yeah. and seeing one, seeing one of my accounts, you know, yeah. making sure everything is good there and uh, having a great dinner with some friends and uh, obviously having some quality cocktails. Awesome. I remember actually... As I, as I might, some of you might know, I wear a fedora every once in a while. That's my grandpa's, and I was wearing it at dinner. Like, and one of the waiters said to me, "He's like, usually we ask our guests to take off their hats, but yours is too cool to ask that." <laughs> like, all right, got it. Take that Michelin. Yeah, your pretentiousness. No, um, sorry, our dog. My dog is running around like a psychopath. She just came in from a walk and is very active to play with her basketball. Uh, what other whiskeys for the fall are you looking forward to, though? Oh man, for the fall, I'm def- we have the obvious releases coming up, but yeah, yeah. Um, so I just did pick up that that little book, chapter six. Um, I have not popped it yet, but I'm very excited to try that. Um, having those malt whiskeys in there is is exciting, and and the different finishes on those. So I'm really excited about that. Um, again, the Chattanooga. Uh, Fall Bottled and Bond is mm. uh, a whiskey I also have, but have not actually popped it yet that I'm excited to to try. Um, those two like really stand out to me right now. Um, and of course, there'll probably be some things that, um, you know, I come across here the last few months of, of the year, but like those two are, are, are two of the whiskeys that I'm really excited about. Yeah, definitely. And I think the good thing about the great thing about whiskey right now is how readily available this is. Like all these whiskeys I can think of. Yep. Maybe other than the this specific laws, uh, how you can find these all over the shelves in Chicago. Yeah, these are all yeah all readily available. Um, and I I like to, you know, I typically like to highlight whiskeys that are a little different, but also like available to yeah. people. So I think these all fit that that bill for sure. I saw online today that there was a Sunday night fights coming up this month. Yeah. So we're going to do October 30th. Um, so it's going to be the Halloween edition of Sunday night fights. Wonderful. We're going to be doing uh, a rye whiskey battle oh. and, uh, it's, it's a brand new rye that to the market that, um, we're going to be featuring in that. Are we familiar with one of the people involved with that? We are. Okay. It happens to be the sponsor of this of the <laughs> Key in the Lake podcast, but uh, waiting for it to actually be released here in Chicago, um, and then we're going to pit it up against some young. It's going to be a young rye whiskey. Okay. like that. Uh, Sunday night fights and uh, whiskeys that will be, I think, widely available across the country to most most people, but uh, a rye whiskey. Sunday night fights coming October 30th. We will announce the uh, contestants coming up here in the next uh, week or two. Very cool. You should have uh, one of the guys involved with that whiskey send out samples to everybody who's watching the show. Calling you out. We could probably make Calling that you out, happen. friend. We could probably make that happen. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good way of doing that. Yeah. Um, so I've heard it's only happened once on Sunday night fights. So It has. Yeah. It's thanks all, to, it was thanks. all Callum's idea. <laughs> Uh, the back in the days when virtual tastings were king. Yes. Um, and we spent our lives on the internet way too much. Right.
Right. But we're moving on and living in real life. Uh, anything else to uh, get out there? No, this is uh, this has been amazing, and uh, congrats again on 200 episodes coming up here. Are you are you gonna be there at the 200th episode? I should be there. My wife is coming home from a trip on Tuesday, so mm. I'm not sure. I'm sure we'll my be there. Status for... of picking up from the airport, but I w- I'm definitely gonna try to be there. Well, I'm sure we'll be there for an extensive amount of time, as uh, the people who host this podcast, their various brands have uh, cocktails on the menu and right. w- bottles behind the bar and bottles available in the shop too. So yeah, if anybody's out there um, in, the, in the Chicago area, or if you just want to fly in, you know, we're recording our 200th podcast at this great bar um, here in Lakeview called Bitter Pops. Uh, great friends, Megan, who runs everything there. She was on like episode 20, I think, of the podcast. We were recording up at Beguile. Um, so we're going to have a bunch of friends come around, drink some whiskey, drink some cocktails, record a conversation. Uh, it'll be very industry heavy, I would assume, um, from that point of view. But it'll be a lot of fun. So if you're around, come to Bitter Pops, and we'll uh, we'll buy some drinks, have a good time, and uh, share some laughs. Other than that, Chris, thanks for joining me once again. Thanks for bringing these bottles. Yeah, thanks cheers. for uh, having me be a part of this barrel pick of one of my favorite distilleries. And everyone else out there, go support your local retailers and uh, buy some of these bottles. And have a great weekend too. Cheers. Cheers, guys. <laughs>